Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Healthy Girl Podcast. I'm so excited because I have a special guest here today, my very cute, very smart husband, Ari. Welcome. Wow. What an intro. Glad (laughs) to be here. (laughs) Thanks for coming on. We are going to be answering some questions that you all had in my Ask Me Anything. Well, Ari's going to be asking me the questions that you guys asked. You had so many questions about like everything from how to be vegan when you're like in social situations to asking whether it's safe to be vegan in pregnancy, which is like a very controversial topic. And we're also going to talk about something very exciting that just launched this week, which is Ari... The Healthy Girl Kitchen Cookbook. The Healthy Girl Kitchen Cookbook. I'm so excited. I've been waiting to tell everyone for so long. Don't you feel like it's been forever? It has. I mean, you've been working on it for about nine months at this point and, you know, spent a lot of time, a lot of hard work, and it's finally here. I know. It ha- I've, to me, it's felt like so much longer just because I've been waiting to tell everyone and writing a book is such an intense, long process, but um, I'm really thankful to be working with Penguin Random House. They've been like, I mean, they're the number one publisher in the world, not to toot my own horn, but they've been like the most organized on top of things. My editor was incredible. So they made the process super seamless for me. I mean, I've never written a book before. I always wanted to write a cookbook. It's always been a dream of mine. And I I really wanted the cookbook to be something that I could look back and be like so, so, so proud of. And I'm such a perfectionist with everything that I do. And this was like to the next level. So I'm glad that I had a publisher that understood my vision in a way. A lot of people were asking how long it took me to write the book. And I pretty much, I I had a short deadline. Most cookbook authors probably take like one to two years to write the book, but we obviously wanted to get this book out pretty quickly just because all of you wanted the book, you know, like yesterday. Um, Well, actually, I feel like a year ago, people were, one to two years ago, people were already asking for a cookbook. So they put me on a pretty short um, time frame. I had about three, four months-ish to write the entire book, and it was, it was insane. I mean, yeah, and on top of that, we took yeah. all of the pictures in the book of the food also. So you mean that, you took all the pictures? Well, I hit the shutter, but you know, you styled them, and we worked together to get backgrounds and things like that. So you have to give yourself a little more credit than that, though. <laughs> you Ari, like, first of all, he gave up his entire office to convert it into a food photography studio. We wanted to be in charge and in control of all of the photography for the book. Again, perfectionist over here, but we wanted, we wanted to be able to have that creative freedom to just, I don't know. We wanted the pictures to turn out exactly how we picture them to be. And yeah, 
we wanted the lighting to be a certain way and we wanted all the props and the backgrounds and everything to be just like super aesthetic, super appealing. I wanted the food to just look amazing and I uh, I just wasn't comfortable giving that opportunity or handing that off to someone else. So I'm really glad we ended up doing our own photography. But yeah, Ari gave up his entire office. We converted it into a food studio. Basically, the process was that we would make the recipes and then we'd bring everything into our little den and shoot the recipe there. We were doing like anywhere from three to five recipes a day when we were shooting. And I think it turned out, I mean, the photography turned out better than I could ever imagine. So thank you, Ari. We have to sure. give him a ton of credit. Um, but but yeah, it took about like three to four months to actually like write the book. I'm a huge procrastinator, so I'm kind of glad that I had a, such a short time frame because I work really well under pressure. I think if I had a lot longer, I would have like maybe dragged it out a bit. Mm-hmm. Don't you feel like it was good for my personality to be like forced yeah, no, to write definitely. the book? And- you know, like you said, we were able to get done like three to five recipes pretty much twice a week, um, if, if not more. And I think if we had more time, we would have just stretched that out. So, I mean, we were able to do it. So might as well get it done in a short time. Yeah. So three to four months. And then basically um, my publisher and editor put the entire book together. I had a lot of say and creative freedom in like the colors, the design, like I was really hands-on with everything, which I wanted to do. I wanted to feel like I could put my, what's the word? My touch on everything. I wanted the entire book to be something that like I knew that like I had a say in and that I could be proud of. So everything from like the layout of the recipes to how simple the instructions were written to how the pages were laid out, like everything. Yeah, I mean, even to like the colors and the fonts. Everything from the colors yeah. to the fonts. And yeah, they really helped to bring bring the vision to life. And um, And yeah, and now the book's out for pre-order and comes out May 16th. That's the publication date. Can't wait. So uh, let's, uh, let's get into the questions. Let's get into the questions about the book. Yeah. So we'll start with the book questions. Uh, first question is, what inspired you to write a cookbook? Okay, so long story short, for those of you who don't know my story, I was a freshman in college eating super unhealthy in the dorms. Ari now, Ari now can like recite my story a thousand times, but this is like for those of you who don't know. I was eating so unhealthy. I can't even describe to you. I was just 18, super excited to be out of the house. And I really, I had never in my life just been able to like eat whatever I want because it's some, I mean, you can go out to eat when you're like a teenager, but I don't know, you just use like your babysitting money. And like, I never had a ton of money to go out and like eat whatever I wanted. So when I had that unlimited dining hall pass, I really took advantage. They had everything at Michigan State University, like all you can eat pizza, all you can eat pasta, soft serve machines on every corner, all you can eat make your own cookie ice cream sandwiches. And I obviously had the best time with that. Uh, For one semester, that was really fun. But then I started to really not feel so well. 
and I felt sluggish. I was napping three hours after every class. I couldn't make it through the day without that nap. And my room, my roommate always used to make fun of me, but I really like, I had no energy to do anything. I used to suffer from really, really bad digestion and chronic heartburn and chest pain. And no doctor seemed to be able to help me with that. I, that started around when I was 17 ish. And I just felt like I had hormonal issues. I had a lot of breakouts around my period, headaches around my period. And I just, I didn't feel healthy. I didn't feel good. And I knew I wanted to make a change and get healthy. And I didn't know what that meant. I think a lot of people want to get healthy, but don't know where to start. I stumbled across a plant-based diet. I grew up eating meat, dairy, and eggs. And a plant-based diet seemed really foreign to me. I I always thought that vegans just smoked weed and ate tofu. (laughs) And I didn't think that it was possible for me to cut out. I mean, I was vegetarian at one point, so like I could cut out meat, but I couldn't imagine cutting out cheese and eggs. Like what psycho person would do that? And even fish, like being Jewish, I love like bagel and lox. That was just like such a staple growing up. Even just having like fish at dinner, I just couldn't imagine cutting it out. But I managed to manage to do it. And after four months of eating plant-based, my chronic heartburn went away, never came back. My skin cleared up. I didn't have any more hormonal breakouts. My energy went through the roof. I didn't need to take naps anymore after class. I lost 20 pounds by cutting out meat, dairy, and eggs and focusing on eating whole plant-based foods. And I just felt amazing. And I Honestly, my eyes were open to how powerful a diet can be, and I knew that I needed to make it my mission to help other people learn how to eat healthy and learn the secrets to creating plant-based meals and eating plant-based meals that are satisfying, healthy, make you feel amazing, but also taste really good. Because I'm a foodie. I love, love, love to eat. And I think that a lot of people are deterred from eating healthy because they think it's going to be boring or bland or restrictive and it doesn't need to be. So along with that, created my brand, created my social media. That's why I share recipes every day with millions of people. But I really wanted to create this amazing book that people could keep almost as their healthy eating Bible and use it to make their their meals throughout the day. The book has everything from breakfast, lunch, dinner, wraps, soups, sandwiches, desserts, sauces, dressings, hosting, everything in between so that you can really learn the secrets to making the most amazing, healthy plant-based meals that make you feel amazing, but they also taste really good. So that my own story inspired me to write the cookbook because I wish I had this book when I first went vegan. So I really wanted to create it with with the intention of and with the with the mindset of like what kind of book would I have really liked to have when I first went plant-based and one of the things that I love about the cookbook is also just how simple all the recipes are I feel like even so many of the cookbooks that we have bought over the years they have such obscure ingredients that no one that you haven't even heard of until you open this cookbook and the recipes take hours to make Um, but everything that is in your cookbook is so simple to make that you don't need to be, you know, a culinary expert to make them. Anyone can make them. Yeah. And I think that people maybe have a misconception about me. They, oh, I think they think that because 
I'm a food blogger that I like to spend like all day in the kitchen. Not true. I want my breakfast to be either ready when I wake up in the morning, like I go in the fridge and my breakfast is there, or my breakfast needs to take five minutes. I want a 10 minute lunch that I can just whip together. And I want dinner to take less than 30. And even though I love cooking, it's like I'm busy. I'm about to be a mother. You're about to be a father. We're going to be super, super busy, but we both have full-time jobs. We don't have all day to spend making our meals. So I really wrote the book with the busy person in mind and also with the person in mind who wants simple, simple meals. Like there are some incredible cookbooks out out there that are like written by chefs, meant to be for like a culinary experience to to make Mm -hmm. like, uh, we just, our friends the other day made a recipe that had a six hour cook time. I'm like, I don't have six hours to make my meal. Unless something's like sitting in a crock pot, I just don't, I don't have that long. So maybe we should say a couple of the recipes that are really easy. Yeah, go Um, for it. First, I think in the breakfast section, they're the easiest just because no one has time in the morning. You're rushing off to work. Maybe you're rushing off to school. Maybe you're, you're dropping your kids off somewhere. So I think first is there are some great smoothie recipes. I'm all about smoothies. I think they're a great way to pack in a ton of nutrients at once and they're filling and they taste really good and they are all thrown in the blender and take five minutes. So great smoothies in there. Um, One of my favorites is like this peanut butter cup smoothie that's insane. Uh, It tastes like a peanut butter cup. Mm -hmm. It does. It does. I love the mango chia pudding. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was really good. Delicious. And that can be made at the beginning of the week. You can make a big batch and keep it in the fridge. And so you have breakfast ready all week long. And in terms of the lunches, I really love the salads because again, the salads you can make at the beginning of the week, make a, maybe make like three of the lunch salads and then you have them in the fridge and can just eat them throughout the week. And I also really like the wraps because I think a wrap, you can just, a wrap or honestly the sandwiches too, like the um, vegan tuna sandwich I have in there, the vegan egg salad, because those are things you can make a batch of the tuna. You can make a batch of the vegan egg salad and keep it in the fridge. And then whenever you're ready for lunch, add it to a wrap, add it to bread. And that takes less than five minutes to make. And a lot of people ask, you know, the recipes that are in your cookbook, they're not all recipes from your blog. In fact, most of them are, are not at all recipes from your blog. How many recipes are there in the cookbook? And are these new recipes? There are over a hundred new recipes in the book. They're either brand new, never before seen, because what would be the point of me having all of the recipes be recipes you could find on my blog or my Instagram or TikTok? These are all new exclusive to the book. If you have seen it before, it's been updated or improved in some way, or maybe like in the past I've used, I've used like a store-bought dressing or something, and this has like an exclusive dressing recipe. Like there's something new and improved about every recipe, or it's brand new, or there are like probably less than five in there that are just like Healthy Girl classics that I had to throw in, like sure. the chickpea brownies. It's just... I made those with Nick Cannon. They deserved a place in the cookbook. Yeah, can't leave the chickpea brownies out. Cannot. They are the best brownies. And I have to say, during pregnancy, they're like next to fruit, my number one craving. I love, 
a good chickpea brownie. They're actually like, even when I try brownies at bakeries or other places, these are a million times better and they're made with chickpeas and peanut butter and simple ingredients. I mean, that goes for all the dessert recipes in the book. They're all super, super easy, gluten-free optional, take like no time to make. Are the recipes in the book gluten-free? Okay, so I have a lot of people who follow me, and I mean, maybe if you don't follow me, that are gluten-free. Just ever, I feel like everyone has some kind of like, not gluten allergy, but maybe an intolerance or people feel so much better when they don't eat gluten. So I wanted to make the cookbook accessible for people who don't consume gluten or want those options. So every single recipe in the Healthy Girl Kitchen cookbook is gluten-free optional, meaning if there's a pasta dish, you can always use gluten-free pasta. If there's a toast recipe, you can use gluten-free bread. If there's breadcrumbs, use gluten-free breadcrumbs. If there's soy sauce, you can use tamari. So there's always some substitution. There's some way to make the recipe gluten-free. Are the recipes in the book easy and beginner-friendly? We sort of addressed that already, but you know, can, uh... But let's talk about the beginner aspect. Yeah. You don't need to be an expert in any kind of way or cook all the time to use this cookbook. This, First of all, it's very user-friendly, but I the, the instructions are really simple. So there's nothing mm-hmm. that's going to confuse you or confuse someone about the recipes. It's very straightforward. I'm someone, I don't even like following recipes because I think it's annoying to follow instructions. So I wrote all the recipes and wrote all the instructions to be like, honestly, like cooking for dummies. It's, it's super simple. It's almost impossible to mess up. Like, I mean, you'll be boiling pasta, sauteing vegetables, mixing it together with a marinara sauce. Like they're all like very, very, very easy. And if you are someone who's a beginner, this is a great cookbook to start with. Cause as I mentioned before, I'm not a chef, so I'm just a girl who likes to cook. So this is written from the perspective of just a home cook. And, you know, I have zero culinary training. I am all self-taught. So I am like, I'm like the people's chef. Yeah, I love that. Everything's relatable. I I don't, there's nothing like complicated in there. So if you're a beginner and you want to start cooking, want to fall in love with cooking because maybe you don't think you'd like it or you have no interest now and like really want to start liking to cook, then this book is a really, really good place to start. Absolutely. Um, and the last question about the book, which is my favorite question because I love what you and your publisher did with this. Where can you order the book? How can people find out? Okay, so right now, if you go to the link in my Instagram or my TikTok bio, you will find a genius link, which means that wherever you are in the world, when you click that link, it'll redirect you to exactly where you can find the book in your country. And whether you're in the UK, Canada, Israel, the US, uh, Germany, literally wherever you are, you're going to be able to see where you can get the book. But otherwise, if you just go on Amazon, most places, this is what we're fine. We like actually had to do some figuring out of like, okay, like where can people get the book? And we're like searching on like every country's Amazon to see if the book is on there. And it's pretty much in every country that has Amazon. Yeah. Um, And it's, it was so crazy when you first announced the book, all the messages you were getting from people all over the world asking where in their country they could buy the book. So crazy. Healthy Girl is international. So click that link. Otherwise, 
if you just go, if you can't find the link I'm talking about, just, we're going to put the link in the show notes actually too. But if you go on Amazon and type in Healthy Girl Kitchen or Danielle Brown, or you might, some countries you have to type in my name and the title of the book to find it, but it's there. Um, Otherwise, Barnes and Noble, Walmart, Target, Books a Million, all there. All right, let's move on to the non-book questions. Okay. The uh, ask me anything that I posted, let's get into it. Yeah, let's do it. So the first question is one that you get asked pretty much every day, I think. Um, Is it safe to be pregnant and vegan? I don't know why there's so much controversy normally about pregnancy. The pregnancy police are out. The second you get pregnant, everyone has advice. Everyone has an opinion. Everyone wants to tell you what they did when they were pregnant. They have some kind of thought on how you should be going about your pregnancy. Yeah. And first of all, it's no one else's business. Um, you, If you are pregnant, I really highly suggest like having a circle of people you trust to do your consultations with and and to ask all your questions. So for me, I have an OB who I really like. She's great. I have a doula. I think if you can afford it and you can find one in your area, hiring a doula is one of the best things that you can do because they're going to not only support you through your pregnancy and your birth, but they're going to be there to answer any questions that you have. Um, OBs are great, but they're super busy. You can't necessarily just text your OBGYN or you can't call them whenever you want. So I really have loved having a doula because I can ask her anything and she's going to provide me an answer without judgment. Uh, For example, we were out to eat and I texted my doula and said, is it safe to eat alfalfa sprouts when you're pregnant? I'm at a restaurant right now. Um, I'm at a really clean, you know, nice restaurant would it be fine to eat them there and she's like you know what it is a higher risk to eat sprouts at all when you're pregnant just because of the chance of them having bacteria so I would skip them and that like things like that I ask her all day long so I would say just in general for pregnancy have that circle of people you can trust and try to ignore you know everyone else's opinions of course if you like ask a friend or ask someone you know who's pregnant a question yourself like that's great but if you're receiving unsolicited advice when you're pregnant it's okay to just say you know thanks so much for your input and you know do your own thing so when it comes to being vegan and being pregnant you can imagine that everyone has a lot to say because normally people are so concerned When you're not pregnant, whether you're getting enough protein, whether you're getting enough vitamins and minerals, whether you get enough calcium for your bones, if it's safe to not have dairy in general, or if you're going to have some kind of iron deficiency, not eating meat, specifically red meat. So when you're pregnant, that's amplified because people are really concerned about you and your growing child. And I get that it's just, it's usually out of the goodness of people's hearts that they just want you to be safe and healthy. Um... But it's it's a little bit annoying because I know that I'm healthy and I eat a really well-balanced diet and I'm doing everything I can to eat well and nourish my body and my baby. Um, but it is 100% safe to be vegan and to be pregnant. I would say, though, for any diet, whether you're vegan or not, it needs to be well-balanced. Of course, in your first trimester, you're just trying to survive And, you know, you eat all the carbs you want, eat anything that sounds good. If you just want to eat ice cream your first trimester because you're super nauseous, 
of course, like that's okay. Do what you got to do. But once you you start feeling better and you feel like you can start incorporating, uh, you know, normal meals and foods again, it's super important to eat really well balanced again, whether you're vegan or not. So whatever diet you eat, you make sure you're getting enough protein. So if you're vegan, that would mean making sure you have tofu, tempeh, edamame, beans, lentils, all of those kinds of things at your meals, even adding a protein bar, maybe a protein powder to your smoothie in the morning, making sure you're getting enough healthy fats. So if if you're vegan, not vegan, that would mean eating olives, coconut, avocado, olive oil, flax, hemp, chia seeds. And then making sure you're getting uh, complex carbohydrates with a ton of fiber because when you're pregnant, it's super easy to get constipated. So making sure that you're eating vegetables, fruit, um, sweet potato, grains, whole grains, uh, again, like beans, chickpeas, lentils, all of those great things. And um, things like brown rice, quinoa, really healthy carbs. and and making sure that your meals are completely well-balanced. And if they're well-balanced, don't worry, your baby's going to be fine. Anyone should be taking a prenatal, um, you know, ask your doctor, make sure you're not low in anything. You might need to take an iron supplement or it just completely depends on the person. But if you eat enough calories and you make sure that your meals are balanced, you can totally be vegan while you're pregnant. Also, I just want to say that baby boy is growing really, really well, better than well. He is growing ahead of schedule. He looks great. Our anatomy scan went perfectly. Uh, why don't you tell everyone what the ultrasound tech said? We keep like quoting this woman because it was so funny. Yeah. In her words, she said he is nothing short of fabulous. He is nothing short of fabulous. Yeah, we maybe were we'll, dying. <laughs> uh, for everyone who's watching this, we'll put the uh, one of the pictures up from the anatomy scan. Yeah. He's super cute. But he's perfect. All of his organs look great. He's growing just as he should. And I've been completely plant-based my entire pregnancy and have been for the past eight years. So if that's not proof enough, um, you can totally, totally, totally be vegan when you're pregnant. Yeah. Well, the next question is, is probably just as controversial. Will you, or I guess we, feed our child vegan food when they're older? This has been probably my number one most asked question whenever I do and ask me anything is whether we're going to raise our son and our kids to be vegan, which the answer is yes. But I think it's important to explain that we first and foremost are ethical vegans, which means that we make the choice to not eat animal products, wear animal products, uh, you know, support places that exploit animals like somewhere like SeaWorld because it's a moral choice for us and will be our family one day and not for, you know, of course, health reasons, but first and foremost, it is an ethical choice. So we're going to raise our family with those morals. And because it is perfectly safe and healthy to raise plant-based children, just like it is perfectly safe to be a plant-based adult, you know, we're raising them with that in mind, knowing it's completely safe, more than safe. It's super, super healthy to feed your kids a plant-based diet and, um, you know, teaching them compassion. We love, we both really love animals, um, and teaching our kids to, you know, have compassion towards other living beings. I just think it's a great thing. And when they are out of the house and when they can make their own decisions, obviously if they're like, 
a teenager and they go to their friend's house, they are going to, they can eat whatever they, I don't know what they're going to be doing at so-and-so's house. They might choose to eat something not vegan. That's not up to me. But when they're in our house, if they're, if we're making dinner at home, making food at home, packing their lunch, that's always going to be vegan. Yeah. And I think vegan diets for kids get a bad name from, you know, very specific situations. Like uh, there was a story a while ago about a a new mom who fed her baby almond milk instead of formula. And, you know, you you might have kids who are on like a really restrictive diet where their parents only let them eat like fruits and vegetables. But you can eat, I mean, they have vegan candy and vegan ice cream and everything that you can imagine, just vegan versions. Also growing up, I don't know if it was this way for you, but my mom just decided what we were going to have for dinner. She decided what, she went to the store. We, when I was, I didn't decide what my mom bought from the grocery store when I was growing up. She just, my mom went shopping. She made dinner every night. She packed my lunch for school. She made me breakfast in the morning. I didn't have a say in what she bought for me or made for me until, I mean, in high school, I told her I wanted to be vegetarian and they were fine with that. But growing up, my mom, they had the wallet, so they had the money. So they bought what we ate and we didn't complain about it. And if we didn't like what was for dinner, then that was too bad. And we could maybe make ourselves like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or eat something else out of the fridge. But whatever she made, whatever she packed, we just ate. Yeah. I mean, the same way for me, as, as you know, uh, my family kept kosher growing up. So my family only bought kosher food and that's just how it was. And for someone who doesn't know what that means, can you explain? Yeah. So um, it's a, a way of eating in Judaism where there are some foods that you don't eat, like uh, pork and, and shellfish. Um, You're and, following religious dietary laws. Yeah, it's a religious, it exactly. Is. And, you know, there are foods you don't mix together, like you don't mix meat and dairy together, um, and some other, you know, guidelines like that. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it's not for health reasons. It's right, not- it's just a... a religious moral thing right it's just a religious thing and a religious set of dietary uh laws and and guides that you follow and this was just the way you grew up and you that was the only way that you knew and and when you went to birthday parties and when you went to friends houses you knew that your family kept kosher and so you didn't you know maybe when you were older you had some things that weren't kosher but when you were younger, you knew that that's how your family ate and that was a part of, you know, your family's culture and that's what you did and you you turned out okay. Yeah. Grew up in a very loving, amazing house and your parents always had amazing food and fed you guys well and you're totally fine. Yeah. So back to talking about sort of misconceptions about a vegan diet. One of them is definitely that Eating a vegan diet is a lot more expensive than eating, you know, sort of a traditional standard American diet. Can you share some tips and tricks to make eating vegan more affordable? Yes. So I think there is this overall misconception that eating plant-based is way more expensive when that couldn't be further from the truth. If you're sticking to simple plant-based ingredients. Like if you're sticking to tofu, lentils, beans, whole grains, fruits and vegetables, you are not going to be spending more than if you're a meat eater. 
A can of chickpeas is 99 cents at the grocery store and you're not eating an entire can of chickpeas at once. So if you're using that can of chickpeas as your protein, I mean, I can maybe get two to three servings out of a can of chickpeas. Personally, you could probably get two and that's 99 cents for that protein. Whereas if you're buying even organic beef, if you're buying chicken, if you're buying fish, you're going to be paying upwards of probably 10 to 15 maybe for some fish i saw salmon at whole foods the other day for over 20 dollars a pound yeah so and i mean like even the trader joe's high protein tofu we get how much is that a dollar 99 it's 70 grams of protein a dollar 99 for a block of tofu at trader joe's where literally i saw salmon for over 20 dollars a pound at whole foods so Eating plant-based does not have to be expensive. However, if you go to some artisan vegan market or some like fancy grocery store and buy like fancy vegan cheeses and like artisan vegan ravioli, like sure, you're going to pay a premium. But if you're buying non-vegan artisan ravioli, you're also going to pay a premium. So it just depends on where you shop, what groceries you're buying. But overall, we spend so much less money being plant-based. Yeah, absolutely. The next question that someone asked is, how do you convert your meat-eating partner to be vegan or vegetarian? (laughs) Okay, I think a lot of people go vegan or start being vegetarian. A lot of them start with uh, ethics in mind, and maybe they watch some documentary that shows how awful animals are treated, uh, how horrific slaughterhouses are and it really creates this like urgency within the person who decides to go vegan or vegetarian and they all of a sudden want everyone around them to have the same enlightenment and awakening that they've had about the animal agriculture industry. I know that's how it was for me and even though I first went vegan for health reasons I felt so amazing. I wanted other people to feel that way. But when I learned about the ethical side of veganism, I felt this urgency that everyone needed to go vegan too. So I would say that I completely understand if you have decided to be vegan, vegetarian, that's amazing. But you need to understand that everyone's on their own journey and everyone's on their own path. And just because you're in a place where you're ready to make that shift or change, maybe your spouse, your family, your friends, they haven't had the same experience as you or same awakening as you. So I would say the number one thing is to lead by example. What do you, what about you? What do you think? Yeah, I definitely agree. You know, I think you can't force someone to to eat vegan or vegetarian diet. Um, you can make them meals that are vegan and vegetarian that are are, you know, just delicious meals and Maybe they'll come around on their own if they want to do that, or maybe they'll just start eating more vegan and vegetarian meals. Um, and that's really all you can do. You can't force it. You can't force someone to make such a massive lifestyle shift like that yeah. because when you when you are asking or wanting someone to be vegan, you're asking them to change everything about what they're eating, what they're doing. Asking someone to change the way they eat three or more times a day is a huge ask and a huge change that needs to be gently introduced and can't be forced. So, for example, when I first went vegan, I honestly, I just never thought that Ari would agree to go vegan because you were the- That makes two of us. 
Yeah, you were the biggest meat eater. Yeah. Eating meat. You were you were paleo. You were eating meat three times a day. You'd have your seven egg omelet for breakfast. You were eating fish, cheese. I mean, you ate all kinds of animal products. So I just, I figured he would never agree to do it. So I never pushed it on him. But I said to him one day, I'm like, let's just, I'm like, can you try to be plant-based for one day? And what did you say? I said, no, no. I thought it was crazy. I thought there was no way. I, I thought I would die or pass out or something. <laughs> You're like, well, what am I going to eat if I can't? If I can't have like my omelet for breakfast and my burger for dinner or whatever, yeah. you're like, and I've been making this flatbread that has eggs and cheese in it. I don't know. Like, what am I going to eat? I just, you're like, no, I can't do it. I can't even, I can't be plant-based for a day. And I'm like, okay, I kind of brushed it off. And then lo and behold, a couple months later, you decided to just try being plant-based and you haven't looked back. It's now yeah. been about eight years and you really, I think you have really embraced a plant-based diet and you have found what's worked for you. And I think for a lot of men, there's this misconception that you need to have meat to uh, grow big muscles and strong muscles and that you need animal protein to make gains in the gym, as you guys would say, which is so not true. How many grams of protein do you eat in a day? I eat about 160 grams of protein every day. It's a lot of protein. Yeah. And you get it from a variety of different sources. You're mm -hmm. having protein powder and edamame and tofu and yeah. seitan, which is like a vegan uh, wheat protein. You have pea protein. You have all these different sources of protein and you're able to work out, feel great. You're eating plenty. You're eating not only plenty of calories, but you get plenty, more than plenty of protein. Yeah. And it's just not an issue for you because you've learned how to make it work for yourself yeah a hundred percent i mean everyone needs to find what works for them and you know it's taken it's taken time of course for me to find what works best for me but you know i've sort of gotten to the point where it's it's just easy so so yeah so we're both vegan and it's been eight years and we we really both haven't looked back so i would say if you're struggling to get your partner to be on the same path as you just do your best by leading by example. Offer to make them dinner and make it a plant-based dinner. You know, maybe ask them if they'd go to a vegan restaurant with you. I think yeah. that would be a great way to get them to open their eyes to to eating vegan. Like find like the best vegan restaurants in your area and bring them there. I think they'll probably be pleasantly surprised. I know when we take people to fully plant-based restaurants that are like amazing and better than I mean think about planta planta yeah. is one of our favorite vegan restaurants they have locations everywhere whenever we brought someone non-vegan they cannot believe that the food there does not have any animal products in it yeah no they're always shocked and i would say just be patient because it might take a little while for your partner to go vegan and um i think the less you push it the better you have to use a little reverse psychology no one wants to be forced to do anything i think uh just gently educating and leading by example is the honestly the best method and the best thing that you can do yeah i absolutely agree um the next question that someone asked they said what are the best ways to cook tofu i can't seem to get it down right okay. i think first why don't you start off and tell people about the different types of tofu in each of their purposes that's a good point so there's 
a ton of different kinds of tofu. I think even probably in other countries and other parts of the world, yeah. there's way more kinds of tofu that you can find here in a U.S. grocery store. But here you're mostly going to find silken tofu, which is like the softest tofu and is great for uses in desserts. For example, if you're making a vegan pudding, you can use silken tofu actually to be the base of that pudding. And it's actually also really good if you're making homemade miso soup, which is in the cookbook. I have a five minute miso soup recipe. But anyway, silken tofu you'll find. Don't buy silken tofu or soft tofu if you're trying to make like a meat substitute, if you're trying to make like a stir fry or something like that because it's just going to fall apart and be super soft. I wouldn't even suggest like a medium firm. I would, if you're making some kind of tofu dish where you want it to be hearty and you don't want it to be mushy, the least mushy tofu and best tofu is going to be, it's going to say either high protein on it or baked. I know Trader Joe's has it, Whole Foods, Sprouts, I yeah, always or super see firm. Or super firm if you can't find it. Just it'll it'll indicate on there the firmness. Just the the most firm possible is the best route you can go if you want it to be hearty. So I would say my well, I would say my favorite, favorite way to make tofu, and this is what I would suggest to someone who is maybe having a hard time getting it down or making it right, would be to uh, one, pat it dry, and then two, maybe break it into little pieces, bread it like you would chicken. Like you can dip it in kind of like a, a batter mixture of flour and water, coat it in breadcrumbs. You can use any breadcrumbs you want. I do, I prefer like whole wheat or gluten-free breadcrumbs. And then spray it with a little olive oil, throw it in your air fryer, crisp it up until golden brown and it will be some of the best tofu you've ever had. Also, I would suggest um, adding seasoning in a sauce. Like you can, you can bread it or you can saute it, but then add like barbecue sauce or even like a teriyaki sauce because just like meat, tofu's just going to soak up whatever flavor or sauce that you add to it. Yeah. What's your favorite way to make tofu? Ooh, it's a good question. You know, I like doing tofu scramble just because honestly, it's so easy. Um, You just take high protein tofu or you can do you know just firm tofu if you don't like it as as firm Um, but i like to do high protein tofu you just break it up into small pieces put it in a pan um saute it with some spices you do uh turmeric garlic powder and nutritional yeast nutritional yeast yeah and that's it you just you know saute it for a couple minutes and it's good to go but you can add veggies too. So if you like, yeah, definitely. I like a veggie scramble personally. Like whenever I, well, when I wasn't plant-based, I would or- always order vegetables in my eggs. So I'd get like spinach, chopped tomatoes, onion, mm-hmm. maybe mushrooms. So saut- I would personally, if you want to make it a little more nutritious, you could saute some chopped veggies first, then add your tofu, crumble yeah. up the tofu, add your seasoning, make like a veggie tofu scramble. And then if you want, even you could add a little vegan cheese. Mm-hmm. If you could you... add some uh, cooked diced potatoes in there. Ooh, make a little breakfast hash. Yeah. I like like the way I that you're I might know what we're having for breakfast tomorrow. Yeah, that sounds really good. You could do either sweet potato or regular potato. Yeah. Make a delicious veggie tofu potato hash. And then I think also if you toast up some bread and add the scramble on top of there, that would be yeah. 10 out of 10. That sounds really good. Yeah, sounds amazing. The next question is, what are the best tips for constipation? 
Okay. Yep, something people uh, don't want to talk about. I know, but everyone, no one wants to talk about it, but everyone's dealing with it. Yeah. I think constipation is probably one of the most common digestive issues amongst specifically Americans, but I think all over the world. I would say for constipation, one is drinking enough water. It sounds like just like something everyone says for every health issue is like, oh, just drink more water. But no, like you need to keep your colon hydrated in order to have regular bowel movements. Um, your your stool gets very hard and very dry if it's not hydrated and has difficulty being eliminated as waste. So I would recommend drinking at least 100 ounces of water a day to keep your colon hydrated and to keep your bowels moving. Second is fiber. Plant foods are the only foods that contain fiber. So animal products like meat, dairy, eggs, fish, there is zero grams of fiber. So that does not help your stool to move and that does not help you eliminate waste. So make sure that you're eating uh, fibrous, complex carbohydrates, plant foods, fruit, vegetables, whole grains, uh, things like sweet potato, avocado, greens, uh, roughage as I'd like to call it, throw a little <laughs> kale in your uh, lunch, throw a little spinach in your smoothie, some berries. Berries are super high in fiber. So even just a handful of berries as a snack can help a lot. Yeah. I mean, they say that the recommendations for a woman are like 25 grams of fiber a day. I would suggest getting more than that. I don't think that that's enough. When I've tried doing 25, I still don't feel completely regular. I think at least 35 for women. I think for men, it's a bit more than that. But plant foods, water, uh, movement. So making sure that you're getting an exercise and walking, even just a 10 minute walk in the morning. If you, if you're someone who's genuinely feeling extremely stopped up and constipated first thing in the morning, drink maybe even some warm water, go on a walk 10 minutes and it'll help to get your bowels moving. I think also taking a magnesium supplement can really help. So taking, you know, right before you go to bed, take a magnesium supplement, it'll help you to go to the bathroom in the morning. Uh, but if you have, you know, if you're doing all those things and still have a problem, I would highly recommend seeing a doctor. Last question that we're going to address today. How do you handle social events with friends who are not vegan? So I just want to say that never let your diet interfere with being social or hanging out with your friends or having social interactions, you know, friendships and hanging out with people like your friends, your family, that is like one of the most important things in life. And do not let your diet affect your social life. Yeah. You can make it work. No, no diet, no food should ever affect those types of things. And if they are, then maybe you should reevaluate the diet or, you know, come up with some ways where you can not let that interfere. But I would say one, we always suggest, you know, we ask our friends if they want to go to a vegan restaurant with us or we'll find, you know, a compromise. Like let's say a friend suggests a restaurant. We look at the menu and it doesn't have any vegan options. I'll just be honest. I think honesty is the best policy. Yeah. Just be open. And if these are your real friends, they're going to understand and just, you know, nicely be like, hey, you know what? Like I'm actually like vegan. And I noticed that this menu doesn't really have many options, but actually I know of this place that's not vegan, but they have some great options. So you have kind of a compromise. You don't need to fully go to a vegan restaurant, but you can go somewhere that has options for you and options for everyone. I think sushi is one of the best places to go because they always have vegan options. 
edamame, veggie rolls. Uh, a lot of the times they'll do like a tofu stir fry for you. And Indian restaurants almost always, always, always have a vegan option. Uh, Mexican restaurants can often accommodate. So I would say just compromising and being open and honest with your friends. If you happen to be like invited to their house or to a party, either eat a little something before just, just, just in case they have nothing for you. Offer to bring something to share so that you know that one, you'll have something to eat, but also can like share in the vegan love with everyone. Yeah. So bring a dish. You can also just, if these are your close friends, just like, and they invite you over, just tell them, be like, hey, I'm vegan. I don't know if you know what that means, but it means X, Y, and Z, and I don't eat animal products. And, you know, what are you going to be cooking? Um, I'm happy to bring stuff, happy to tell you like what I can have. I feel like when that happens to us and people are like, oh, well, like, what can I make? And I'll be like, you know, we can eat pasta, we can eat potatoes, we can eat salad, vegetables, we can do taco night and just have beans instead of meat. Like, you can just, I think having an open line of communication is always the best. Yeah, I think a good example of of not letting your diet get in the way of of social situations is um, one of our friends who is raw vegan. And he, you know, we'll hang out with him and he'll bring a gigantic salad or or fruit salad or something that he made with him. And, you know, he'll just, you know, hang out like anyone else would, but he'll bring his big salad with him. Shout out to Robbie. I know he would love us talking about him. (laughs) Um, But yeah, Robbie just makes it work for himself. He is, well, not only is he a raw vegan, but he's type one diabetic. So he has very specific eating rules and, you know, times where he can eat and, you know, keeping up with his insulin and all of that. It's very complicated. And he knows he needs to take care of himself and he needs to be prepared with vegan food and needs to be prepared with certain types of vegan food to, to control his type one diabetes. And as you said, he will make any social plans. He goes anywhere with anyone, but he brings his own stuff. And that's the way that he makes it work for himself. He's not going to, you know, if we asked him to go out to lunch, he'd say, sure. And then maybe he'd bring his own food or he'd eat before or after, but he would never not hang out with us or not hang out with other people because of his diet. And I think he's a really, that's right. He's a really good example of that. Yeah, hundred percent. So that's it. That's the all the questions that Ooh, we're answering today. <laughs> that was good. I hope you all enjoyed this episode and that you know you learned something. But make sure to one pre-order the cookbook if you haven't already. Thank you to everyone who's already pre-ordered. I'm blown away, blown away by the sales so far. I just feel like really grateful and really humbled and just so lucky to have such an amazing community that supports me. I mean, writing a cookbook was literally a dream. So being supported in that endeavor is just really, really touching. So thank you to everyone who's already pre-ordered. If you haven't, we're going to link that link in the show notes, but pre-ordering one ensures that you get the book first in case it sells out or in case there's shipping delays and make sure that you get the book before anyone else. It also really helps authors uh, to have pre-orders because it helps them get on best-selling lists, which is uh, super, super important. And um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. And make sure to, if you like this podcast, rate, review, subscribe. It would mean the world to me. And other than that, we will see you next week. Yeah, thanks for uh, having me on to, uh, to be able to question you today. All right, it's been a pleasure. Thank you.